Welcome to uh, episode two, season one, episode two of Restore Justice. This is an ongoing conversation with Bruce Strom, the founder of Administer Justice, uh, based in Chicago, as well as people from various walks of life, from, like I say, from highly successful lawyers to everyday volunteers at churches around the country. And we're in this podcast exploring how individuals are doing justice God's way, uh, not the world's way. And in season one, episode one, we just want to went through some foundation, where this all came from. Uh, why is this such a big deal? What is restorative gospel justice? So Bruce led us through that. So if you're listening to this episode two for the first time, dive back into episode one as well to get mm-hmm. caught up on that. Bruce, we're going through the ABCs of restorative gospel justice, and uh, remind us what the A is of the ABCs. Sure. It is affirm dignity and sustainability. Okay, so let's, in this episode, take on affirm dignity. Mm-hmm. Um, run. Go. Do it. Absolutely. So too many people think that dignity is something that you give to somebody. Mm. It's not. Dignity exists in all of us as the Omago Dei. We are made in the image of God, and every person has infinite value and infinite worth. Too often, all around the world and in our country, we treat individuals who have less financial means as suddenly being lesser than. And they get that message in our society, and they can believe that they are lesser than. But that's not true in the eyes of our God. And as we address this in a holistic way, we want to affirm People, that they have dignity. And so we are affirming that which God has already given them as we come alongside them. Therefore, Joe, we're not going to do for them, hmm. right? In my world, in the legal world, you would pay me a lot of money and I would be your hired gun yeah. and I would just go do. Right. But that's not always helpful. In fact, a lot of people don't like working with lawyers. Sorry to say to my lawyer friends Mm -hmm. who are listening, because a lot of times we don't listen. We just take that charge because we know what we're doing. We're professionals, and we do it for people. And then we expect them to pay our bill and just let us run. Here, we want to be more and an illustration of the incarnational ministry of Jesus Christ. Mm. This is what I say to my lawyers. So I invite them to enter into neighborhoods where people are, come alongside them, and do with them, not for them. And so they're going to empower. They're going to uh, provide coaching. They're going to give guidance and next steps and a plan. And what I say, Joe, is that to me is the best representation of Jesus Christ. Mm. People think that lawyers have lots of power, and they do, and that they have lots of privilege, uh, and that they sit in these corner offices on Michigan Avenue in Chicago or in these big high towers. Uh, That's the image that people have. But when a lawyer leaves that office and they enter into somebody's neighborhood and they sit beside them, it is truly a picture of Jesus Christ who left the corner office of heaven, entered into our neighborhood, sat beside us, and he set aside all the privileges of heaven that he had to die for us, right? He set it all aside, mm-hmm. uh, and he used his power to restore, to restore justice, to restore people as he healed them, as he uh, provided food, as he really met their physical needs and always addressed their spiritual needs. And when a lawyer does the same thing, when they set aside their privilege to enter into a neighborhood and a local church on a Saturday morning for a few hours, and they use their power not to do for or not to take lots of money, but instead to come alongside and see somebody restored through a next steps plan, through empowering them, they represent Jesus to their neighbor in need. That is a really powerful picture. And for any lawyers listening, that should 
that should shake you in a way to go, whoa, like there's a, there's a picture of Jesus I can be living out while I'm doing my thing and making lots of money and being very successful. Okay, so you've talked about how law traditionally is fairly transactional, right? But there's this incarnational version of it that can be very transformational. Right. Um, in episode one, you read just one of the stories. I'm sure we'll hear more, and we'll even invite some people on to talk about how both lawyers are having this experience, but also um, those in ministry are at the same time. So, all right, keep talking about the difference here and what it means to bring dignity into the process and into the life of someone being served. I love Micah 6, 8. Joe, most of us memorize that from the Bible. It's this is, He has showed you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you to do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. Because justice and mercy need to go together for us to understand. A lot of times when we think of justice, we think of it as being retributive, right? Punishment. Right. right. God punishes. He does. He is a holy God. But that's God's role. And throughout the Bible, we're going to see this uh, in future episodes, but it's a restorative principle because mm. God is seeking to restore all things. He's seeking to draw all of humanity unto himself, that, that we would come to a saving relationship with him, and then that we would walk with him yeah. uh, into these places. And so it's restorative. And so too often law is just this truth that's hammered down at you. And boy, if you've ever been, and I hope our listeners have not been part of a court process, but it just beats you up and grinds yeah. you down because there's just this this beating, this drum of like truth that you've got to do things a certain way or then there's punishment or all of these different things. Yeah. And the problem is, just like the Pharisees of Jesus' day, if you have truth without love, that's relationship breaking. Yeah. I also say the opposite, though, is a problem. That if you have love without truth, that's relationship faking. Hmm. And really what you want is truth and love, which is relationship making. And we want to make relationships with people. And so that means that we're going to be honest. Maybe there isn't a path forward in the legal system. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, some of my friends, if you paid them enough money, might tell you that there was. Or they'll even take advantage of some people, telling them there's a path uh, forward in immigration or some other system when there isn't. We're going to speak that truth to people, but then we're going to recognize who they are as a son or daughter of Christ, that they have infinite dignity. We're going to affirm that dignity, hmm. and we're going to seek to walk alongside them, um, whatever the circumstance. And you you mentioned earlier that I think it was a quote from some research group that said, people aren't problems to be solved. Unpack that real quick. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of good work by social workers. Ruby Payne um, is one leader. Donna Beagle uh, is a doctor in the legal realm that says that um, too often by treating people like problems, we marginalize them mm. and we, we do not allow them to be part of the process in restorative justice work. Because what we really want at the end of the day, what God wants certainly is to see humans flourish as he intends, right? He wants us to defeat evil, um, bring justice, bring shalom, that wholeness and human flourishing. And even secular writers recognize that we do a disservice when we only categorize people as these problems to be solved instead of truly neighbors to be loved. So at a practical level then, how how do you do that? How do you live that out of giving people the dignity they deserve going through a very tough time probably in their life? 
Part of it, you know, I don't think we do our neighbors favor when we do everything for them. Mm -hmm. And that means even a lot of good social service agencies that have the right heart, but they want to do everything for free. Mm -hmm. That's, that's not helpful. I mean, we invite just like the wood in a healthcare system. We invite clients to have a $30 copay, Hmm. a copay because we want to do this with them, right? We're co-laboring. We're going to go through this together, but that means both of us are going to be doing something. Hmm. So, uh, so we invite people to pay that uh, sum as just an investment in the process moving forward. It's a one-time fee for that issue. They can come back for additional coaching. And then we also want to empower them. A lot of people, if they have the right information, can do things on their own. And they're often better for doing it on their own versus having somebody else do it for them. And so we want to coach and come alongside provide specific next steps, and that'll empower someone to realize that, hey, I, I can do more than I thought I could. As long as I have the right tools, resources, the right documents, done in the right way, coached in how to present, yeah. um, I can do this. So part of it is right from the start, even though with this $30 copay, they feel like they're contributing to the process. They don't like feel like it's a handout, and then they feel guilty getting the help or don't want to ever come back because they're worried about, right. you know, when will I get turned away? I'm participating in the process, so that's part of it. And then I'm sure there's a part that the lawyer plays as well, in this case, in, in helping them. Because if I was a lawyer, I'd be thinking, wait, am I about to go to court for 15 different people, and how is those costs going to be covered and all that kind of stuff? 30 bucks is great to you know, buy them some cookies and print some paper, but how does how does the rest of it happen and what's my role in all of it? Right. It's a great point. And too many people think of law as just that, right? Only going to court. Yeah. The reality is there are 150 million, think about 150 million civil legal cases. Now, those aren't criminal. Mm-hmm. These are civil uh, issues that people face every year. Only about a third of those actually go to court. Mm. So two-thirds are areas where people just need good guidance, direction, and counsel. And in the healthcare system, we would understand this, right? We know that there are brain surgeons, right? We know that there are these neurologists and these specializations. Yeah. Uh, and then we know that there's the general practitioner that you might go to. Mm-hmm. And then we know that there are these great health clinics, that everybody should have access to so they can even figure out, hey, do I have a health problem? Right. I've got this pain in my side. Am I having a heart attack or do I just have gas? Right. right I mean, right. I don't know. The, the feeling could be the same. Yeah. But I need to have this place I can go to. In law, we have done too much of setting up just these specialists these, and only having specialists instead of having the equivalent. There is no neighborhood legal clinic for the most part, honestly. But even, I can just go... Get some questions answered, get pointed in the right direction, and go my way. Right. right? And so that's what we tell lawyers. You are you are joining a health clinic. You are and so you are there to do that, to give to point in the right direction. Some people, in fact, need to go to the hospital. Some people do need to go to court and we can make referrals. But a significant portion more actually just need good guidance, counsel, and pointed in direction. And when we do that, we actually have greater outcomes, better outcomes than people who go to court. There are lots of great studies, Joe, and a lot of times I have to convince lawyers or even the general public that you do not need a lawyer in everything, Hmm. that sometimes lawyers tend to get continuances. And so cases tend to go on long, long time. And that only adds to people's mental health, uh, physical health, stress, all of those different continuances. Plus, 
Individuals going through with lawyers often can't talk to that lawyer. They don't know what's going on. And that increases stress and reduces outcomes. Great studies by Yale Law Journal um, called Celebrating the Null Finding Evidence-Based Strategies for Improving Access to Legal Services and a Self-Help Center Census, a Legal Help Evaluation Report by Michigan. All of these places demonstrate that people, if they are coached correctly, if they were given the right forms, if they're given the right information, they have better outcomes than if they were represented by an attorney. No kidding. That's, that's powerful insight, right? Because... Um, Going back, we'll circle this back to dignity uh, in that for the end user, for the client in this case, they're they're getting answers to questions, they're getting pointed in the right direction, and then they feel empowered right. with next steps. And then for the lawyer who's involved, there's the opportunity to very quickly and effectively give some guidance, give some advice, point them in the right direction. They don't have to become a client and take on a six-month engagement. It's just you're helping someone in that moment. And I think the example you gave was you're leaving your corner office to serve someone with just some guidance and coaching and advice and in the process empowering them, reducing the stress, reducing the pressure, um, eliminating fear and worry and doubt and all those things uh, that Satan can use a hundred different ways. You're coming in as almost like this little mini angel to resolve something for them very quickly. Right, exactly. And so one final thing in that is it is important to have follow-up. We mm-hmm. realized that. So when I first started Administer Justice and we we checked to see when we gave people this empowerment plan um, and we gave them next steps, but we didn't follow up. Only 20% actually carried forward because mm-hmm. life happened. Something sure. happened in their life. Sure. We instituted somebody on a team that follows up with them regularly. There's someone other than the lawyer. Other than the lawyer, yeah. definitely, without, uh, other than the lawyer, who just checks in with them, just for some added accountability and just for some added encouragement. And that alone flipped the statistics. We did a study with Willow Creek um, Church, many would know in the Chicago area, and the stats flipped. 80% were able to successfully complete their plan. And today, because we've honed our systems, we actually get a 94% positive outcome. People report that their legal needs were met. We also have a 94% um, success rate in feeling a greater sense of God's love for them and hope for them. And so, because that's what it's all about. It's all about being holistic. So that's where really, because that's the point of restorative gospel justice is yes, uh, 80 to 94% of the people coming through are feeling that their legal need is met, or at least they're moving to the next step in their journey. But you're saying, what was it, 94%? 94%. Feel a greater sense of God's love. Right. That's the game changer. It's the game changer. Final story, real quickly. Yvette walks into one of our gospel justice centers. She's a grandma, has a six-year-old autistic grandchild. Her um, son-in-law is in jail. Um, Her daughter is on drugs, unable to care for the child, so she's left caring for the child. Uh, She gets an eviction notice because there was a, a... a drug deal going on on the premises. Landlord a thousand miles away wants to convert everything. He sends eviction notices to everybody so we can convert it into high-end condominiums. She's older, uh, afraid, doesn't know what to do. She tries to tell them she has proof that she wasn't anywhere near the drug deal. Uh, she's a grandma with no criminal record, yeah. uh, but they don't want to listen, and she's powerless. So she goes into a gospel justice center to meet. And yes, on the legal side, we could protect her, right? It's a simple thing to be able to empower, to now balance the scales by having a lawyer send a letter, spelling it out. Now they'll listen to a lawyer. It's not worth pursuing. Case dismissed. Hmm. 
but more because of the wraparound services. This is the first time she stepped foot inside a church for years. Hmm. Because as a girl, she watched the church fall apart, a scandal with a pastor, and she just walked away from the church. Hmm. Now as a grandma facing these needs and fe- having great fear for her, grand- for her artistic grandson, she's met by a loving team that cares for her, that is asking her how she sees God in the midst of these. Is he gone? Is he absent? Is he present? And in the midst of that, they enter into conversations, just natural conversations. And Yvette prays to receive Jesus Christ as her Savior. And she becomes a part of this church. And now she uh, has uh, she was facing eviction in the here and now. Yeah. But more fundamentally, she has acquired a mansion and glory that she can never be evicted from. Yeah. And that's what holistic gospel justice ministry looks like. Powerful stuff. Hope you're enjoying listening in as Bruce unpacks the ABCs of restorative gospel justice. Uh, When we come back in episode three, we're going to jump into the next one. Look forward to hearing you then. Restore Justice is a podcast production of Administer Justice. Learn more and connect with us at administerjustice.org.